So, salamu alaikum. Hope you're doing well, Samaya. Or Miss or one of my favorite coaches. Um, <laughs> why do I say this? Um, because um, you helped me a lot. Um, and you did. It's not something exaggerating because of the podcast you did. And um, the um, the TTS Academy is really, really good um, and helping a lot of sisters, mashallah. Um, our topic today is how to find myself and others. And before we start, do you want to introduce yourself or should we jump into the first question? Yeah, I can introduce myself briefly. Um, so alhamdulillah. Thank you for being part of the community that we've created, The Thriving Sister. Mm. It wouldn't be what it is without women like you who are willing to do the work. So I am Sumeya. I'm the founder of The Healed Sister, which is a company that aims at supporting Muslim women grow in their personal development, in their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and to thrive in this life and in the next. Um, inshallah. Um, I will start um, as it is a short podcast. It's an audio podcast. I will jump into the first question. The first question is, as the topic is how to find myself and others. And um, the um, along the journey of knowing oneself and the aim or the purpose of your academy is um, to find oneself. And through this, we can communicate uh, with others and live our live as a muslim as a healthy muslim and um so along the journey of knowing oneself which is basically our whole life uh what type of relationships do we muslims need um why do i ask you this question because i'm now in my healing journey and then i'm so confused what type of relationships do i need now hmm. that's a beautiful question sava so as you mentioned, this life is a journey. So it's all about ups and downs. And it's all about realizing that there are seasons in our lives where we're going to have different interactions with people and with what is around us. However, in order to heal, grow, feel that fulfillment on a constant basis, or at least majority of the time, the Muslim or the human being needs a connection to it its creator, his creator, his or her creator. Mm. So the first relationship that we need to look at, whether we're feeling good or not, is our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is no healing without the healer. I always say that. You probably have heard me say that before in The Thriving Sister. We need Allah to heal because he's the one who heals us. Mm. We need a healthy relationship with him in order to feel like we're fulfilling our purpose as human beings because what does he tell us he tells us that our purpose in this life is to worship him mm. so if we don't have a connection to him how are we going to worship him how are we going to feel like we are achieving the reason why we were put on this earth so that's the first thing how do we cultivate a good relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for some people it's going to be easy because they come from an environment where they saw their parents have that mm. For other people, like many of my clients and myself, it's more complicated. We don't know what it's like to have a healthy relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until we face a lot of hardship and we have no choice but to come back to him in a better way. 
because what we witnessed is actually the opposite. It's it's a side of Allah that was described to us with a lot of negative terms, a lot of fear, a lot of guilt. Allah is going to punish you. This is haram, haram, haram. There's no love. There's no mercy. And so we have to learn to come closer to him in a different way from what we were taught. We need to balance things out. It's not always fear. It's not always guilt. It's also rahmah and love and compassion and forgiveness. And when we do that, we feel safe. It's important to feel safe as a human being. And if, if we don't have that feeling of safety, we try and look for it everywhere outside and people disappoint us because they're not able to give us that on a constant basis, the way that Allah can give us that on a constant basis. Hmm. And that's where people fall into addictions. That's why they, they stay in toxic relationships and things of that sort. So that's the first relationship we need to look at. So are there like numbers like... um because uh, I did like an episode about choosing friends wisely and the sister told me we need um, 12, 12 types of friendships and the number 12 is like someone really researched about the topic about choosing friends and do we have a number two in relationships like we need a relationship in business we need a relationship in friends and family like is there something we can you know like you can catch yeah, absolutely. So the second point I was going to mention, the second relationship you need to nurture in your life after the one that you have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that you have with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The sahabas were called sahabas for a reason, companions. They were, they were not his colleagues. They were not his followers. Mm. They were his companions. There's a notion of, of intimacy, of closeness there. And we are following the generation of the companions that, that means a lot. That says we need to look up to our Prophet وسلم, for what he is, which is a role model. So that means we need to know him and we need to emulate his behaviors. We need to study him. The way that you would study a, a figure, a historical figure, the way that when you're younger, you start idolizing singers and actors and things of that sort the prophet وسلم, should have that second place in our heart after allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a lot of us we don't have that connection to him we don't know much about his life we don't know much about the way he raised his children the way he used to behave the way he used to talk the way he treated people because we're talking about relationships today and how did he treat himself as well how was he with his wives how was he at home how was he with his daughter all these things, if we studied them and we knew about them, would make us feel like we were friends with, with the Prophet mm. And we are taught that we are in Jannah with the people whom we love. Mm. We want to love the Prophet so we need to know him. We need to feel that friendship to him in this life. Mm. We need to think about him on a daily basis. We need to pray upon him on a daily basis and send him, send salam to him on a daily basis. So that's the second relationship we need to nurture as Muslims. Okay. To be honest, I didn't think about this. Mm. Um, I was just thinking as a human being, I need this relationship, that relationship, and I, my relationships are getting more difficult, not because I don't have anyone or I'm not social, 
but I just don't know how to socialize anymore after like during my healing journey like how should I talk um what wh what people do I need but I think um just um building a relationship with our prophet Muhammad وسلم, I think this um solves everything I think I just have to uh, seek my relationship with him and the question solves um or answers will be answered um through him mm. yeah because the, the questions you're raising Sava are really good questions like how how do I behave when someone hurt me mm. we have the answer from the sunnah of the prophet the amount of hurt that he got from people from his own family like his uncle mm. how did he behave how do I behave when someone disrespects my space when uh, a man from the desert came and, and started urinating in, in the masjid, how did the Prophet ﷺ react? Every incident that you face in your life, I can assure you there must be an answer in the life of the Prophet ﷺ. It's just about studying his life, studying him. He's, he, he was the most emotionally intelligent human being. Hmm. Everything that he did... It is sad. I was choosing Islam. I'm coming from an Islamic background. My my parents are Muslims. But when I chose to wear hijab and to be more um, practicing, I got a lot of criticism. Um, I told you this once, I remember. And I, this still affects me. I still have like this trauma. And I, I, I healed but the effects um, are still there. Um, I still somehow think of the trauma, like um, you're Muslim, you're getting more practicing, so you're getting more retorted. Uh, what do you, like, do you know, like, with retorted, you, do you know what I mean with retorted? Um, there is, like, uh, Arabic word, mutakhalif. It's like, it's like you are, like, not in this society anymore. You're, you're thinking backwards. And this really affected me and I just wanted to prove myself to everyone that I'm not I'm intelligent enough as a Muslim to to live a life and that was really stupid for me um so I'm jumping to the second question we don't have a lot of time um I have a lot of non-Muslim friends as Western Muslims so the second question is does seeking relationships differ from being a non-Muslim uh, we're Muslims, we're seeking relationships, and non-Muslims seeking relationships too. I think we answered the first question. We, we answered the question through the first question, right? Mm. So by looking at the interaction of the Prophet ﷺ with non-Muslims, when you say relationship, do you mean friendships? Do you mean uh, professional relationships and things of that sort? Yeah, yes. I, I thought more friendships. Uh, when I think of school, uni, and the work. Yeah. I didn't have a lot of, like, I'm from Germany, like, a lot of good people, but they're not Muslims. Mm. The way that we see relationships is different from the way that non-Muslims see relationships. Mm. Because we understand that we have obligations towards the people in our lives. Mm. We have something called adab, etiquette. We have etiquettes that we need to follow when we're hosting people, when we are talking to people, when we're talking to the opposite gender. So there are more components in the way that we conceive relationships compared to non-Muslims. 
which maybe have less things to think about. But it, we can't generalize because there are non-Muslims who live by a lot of rules and guidelines as well. Mm. So for us, it's it's more about having Allah in mind all the time, in the way that we treat people, in the way that we interact, in the way that we behave. So there's this notion of taqwa. So I'm not going to hurt someone because I know Allah won't be pleased with that. Mm. And I'm going to have to pay for that in the in the akhirah. Mm. And and that's one of the worst things that you can do as a Muslim, hurting someone. However, helping someone is one of the best things you can do as a Muslim. Mm. The reward for that is incredible. Uh, Allah tells us in the hadith through the Prophet وسلم, that the, the Muslim, the believer who alleviates a pain or suffering that another Muslim is going through in this life, mm. Allah will alleviate pain and suffering for him in the akhirah. So we keep these things in mind when when we, but we've lost that a lot. For example, the the concept of forgiveness, Muslims nowadays are holding a lot of grudges. Yeah, a lot of grudges. Subhanallah, we fight a lot. There's yeah. a lot of drama. There's a lot of backbiting. A lot of gossiping, and and may Allah forgive us and protect us from those things. We we are stepping away from the Sunnah. We're stepping away from from the the etiquettes and the adab that we're supposed to adopt when it comes to relationship we are supposed to be people of big hearts mm. forgiveness mercy compassion the prophet ﷺ was sent to us as a mercy to mankind and we're supposed to copy him again mm. are we being a mercy to mankind are we being a mercy to animals to nature to the environment we need to ask ourselves these questions. Yeah. Everything that is, um, that is, um, everything that is related to non-development in technology or something else or in problems and society, problems in society, they're always related to Muslim countries and to Muslims, especially like when I was in school or in the uni or something, they always concentrated on us. It's like, I don't know, like indirectly, maybe it's like subconsciously, but um, it's so sad. I think it's our own fault. Mm. Um, yeah. It's our own fault that we um, have this, um, have this, what is it called in English? Um that people think on about us in a negative way. It's our mm. own fault. Um, I'm asking you the third question. Uh, while healing yourself from the past, we often discover the mistakes which has been done to us. Um, how can I grieve in a healthy way? I know we have to forgive ourselves or to the other people, but sometimes I think like oh, I lost it. I lost that part in my life. Why did I do? Why did I do it? Anything. So. Yeah. I know I spoke about forgiveness before, but I just want to emphasize on the fact that sometimes we can't force the forgiveness before I answer the question. So anyone listening who's been through something very difficult, very traumatic because of someone else in their life and they're finding it hard to forgive them mm -hmm. that's fine like Allah is not going to hold you responsible for not being able to forgive someone who's really hurt you mm -hmm. um, he will reward you for doing it though now coming back to the question how do we heal when that happens first there's the acknowledgement that everything happens for a reason 
So we accept Allah's decree. And when you know who Allah is, this becomes easier. Again, it all goes back to what we mentioned at the beginning. If you see Allah as the punisher, then it's going to be hard to accept his decree because you're going to see it as something that was aimed at hurting you. But if you see Allah as the wisest, as the planner of planners, as the, the king of all kingdoms, as the, the one who has the most love for his creation and, and the believers, the one who's merciful, all these positive terms, then you know this that has happened to me cannot have happened for a bad reason. It has happened because Allah knows that this is going to create something positive within me in this life or in the next, and I trust him. So there's this notion of trusting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his plan, his divine plan. That's very important in the in the process of healing. And then there's this second step of asking yourself, what did I learn from this experience that was positive and that will serve me in my future? Hmm. This is where we make use, we recycle the pain, the trauma hmm. into something that we can see become gold. So that baggage of dirt that is hurting you and that is weighing you down becomes something that you can work with you can create something beautiful out of it and that's exactly what I did and that's what allowed me to heal so fast alhamdulillah after years of feeling stuck in depression once I started helping people with my experience I saw my bag of dirt become a bag of gold mm. it made sense so I went through divorce I went through abuse I went through almost being homeless, all these horrible things. But now I can help women who are struggling the same way with these, this knowledge that Allah has put in me. Yes, it wasn't easy, yeah. but it was worth it because mm. I can be the answer to someone's dua because of what I went through. And the reward of that and the fulfillment that comes with that is worth all the pain I went through. So we make something good with what happened to us that was bad. And then we seek support as well. We surround ourselves with people who love us and make us feel like we are part of something. That's important too. Relationships are important. Um, so those would be three steps that you can take. And there are many more, alhamdulillah. It's just we're, we're tight on time. So I don't want to go too much into detail. Um, so the first step is having patience of the decree of Allah and then second is being satisfied the first uh, patience is a must we have to have it but the second step um being satisfied of um the decree of Allah this is not a must right I think uh, this is what I hear it once um that um so I got confused because in the Athkara Sabah the morning um prayers there is Raditu Billahi Rabba. I am satisfied with the with Allah, with God. And now when I think like, but no, I'm not satisfied with the trauma I had before two years, for example. Although I know the positivity behind it. But they really hurt me. Um, and then I think of Muhammad Rasulullah and I think his name was Wahshi. When he, or Wash, I think Washi, right? Mm. Uh, he killed um, the uncle of our Prophet, mm. and our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, "Yes, you are accepted into our religion, 
but um, I cannot see your face or I mm -hmm. cannot see you anymore. So this is somehow what I have. I'm now. Um, I somehow there is um, there is a human being who really hurts me. It's normal. Everyone has has this kind of person. I'm trying to forgive that person, but I cannot see them. I cannot see that person, human being anymore. Mm. But he, that person is still in my head. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah. So, so we must be satisfied with the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But there are certain emotions that we can't control. And we acknowledge that Allah knows that as well. Mm. So sadness, for example. It's important to differentiate being satisfied and being sad about something and, and not being sad about something. So you, you can't be dissatisfied with the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to be satisfied with it. You have to be content with it. But you also have the right to feel sad about what happened in the past. And this is where the way that you react to that sadness will bring you closer to Allah or it will take you away from him. Mm -hmm. If with that sadness, you turn it into dua, you turn it into seeking help from him, you turn it into ibadah, Mashallah, mm -hmm. that sadness is a positive thing in itself. But if you use it to actually start a negative trail of thoughts about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it becomes dangerous and shaitan becomes your ally in this case. Mm -hmm. And you want to be you want to be careful in these situations. If if it becomes, oh, why Allah is making me feel this way? Why is he letting this person get away with what he did? Why and why? This is dangerous. No. You have to turn towards, Ya Allah, you know how I feel. You're the only one who knows how I feel. Your knowledge of how I feel is sufficient to me. So help me. We go back to what Imam al-Haddad wrote beautifully in his poem, Rabbi. Uh, reading that poem in itself is healing. We acknowledge that we are beggars. We are beggars in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He knows everything and we know absolutely nothing. So we trust him. We trust him and we beg him to heal our hearts because he only knows what we need, really. Maybe you need that sadness to get closer to your Lord. So take it. Take whatever he gives you. And remember that this life is not supposed to be a fun park. Mm. It is supposed to be a test at the end of the day. What are we complaining about if we're being tested, if that's the purpose of life? Beautiful ending. It's a beautiful ending. Um, thank you so much, Samaya. You're welcome, Sava. And um, yeah, I don't have anything else to say. It's a deep uh, topic and deep conversation. Um, thank you so much that you accepted my invitation. Wow. Thank you, really. And thank, thank you for your time. Uh, I thank hope you. Uh, I can see you in the next session in your academy. And um, yeah. السلام عليكم وعليكم السلام جزاك الله خير